Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, well, again, welcome to Renovation. If I haven't met you, my name is Cody Woodard, and I'm honored that you would spend about an hour or so of your time. I wanna dive right in today. We're in the third installment of this series. If you missed the last two, you can go online and watch those on our YouTube channel. Week one, we talked about the idea that many of us have uh, been dealt a bad hand. And when you have a bad hand, sometimes it feels like you need to hide it. But how many of you know that Jesus can't heal what you hide? And when we bring our mess to God, God can heal our mess. Last week, we talked around this idea of losing our passion. And how for many of you, you're here and you used to be passionate about the things of God. You used to, to care. You used to have something in you that wanted to make a difference, but somehow, somewhere over time, you lost your passion. And last week we talked about get your passion back. In fact, right now, why don't you just push a neighbor, tell them, get your passion back, get your passion back. And uh, I'm gonna ask you this morning to help me uh, preach. I don't want you to be quiet. The quieter you are, the longer I preach. This is the fourth sermon uh, I've preached this weekend. And so I'm gonna ask you to have a little bit of passion in week three. And today what I wanna do is I wanna take a look at probably the most famous instant where Jesus gets angry, where Jesus gets frustrated. And I want to take a look at Matthew chapter 21, and I want to try to explain one of the most misunderstood, challenging, puzzling things that he does in his entire ministry. So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 21, verse 12 through 13. I'm going to read two verses, 12 through 13. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I need a second, say, hold up. No, hold up. Sorry. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, my house will be called a house of prayer. My house will be called a house of prayer. Come on, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. In this scene, we see Jesus angry. Probably the most passionate moment outside of the crucifixion and resurrection that Jesus had in his entire ministry, in his entire life. And in this scene, it's not the one that many of us would think of when we think of Jesus. We, we love the kind and the compassionate and the loving Jesus. But how many of you know that the same Jesus who was kind and compassionate had to do some things to make sure the church would stay the church? And so we're not looking at two different Jesuses, but a lot of us based upon our own personality type, like certain aspects of Jesus's personality. We like it when he hugs us and loves us and he's kind and gives out free hugs. But what we've been talking throughout this series about is that Jesus is more than just free hugs. Unfortunately, people have used this passage to justify their anger and their rage and even at times abuse. But I wanna to submit to you that this wasn't a moment of rage. He did get angry, but I wanna to suggest to you that the two verses we just read actually sums up the entire reason Jesus actually came. Oh, how the tables have turned. 
If you're taking notes, write the title down today. Oh, how the tables have turned. And if you're able and willing, would you stretch your hand towards heaven and let's ask God to meet us here in this place and wherever you're watching from online. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have moments like these where we can see your passion and even your anger. Thank you for turning the tables. Help us understand it. We love you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Well, hey, I just got back from our first ever men's retreat. Come on, can we make some noise for the 35 men that were there? Uh, incredible, incredible week. And in the second installment, the second session we did um, on, on Friday morning, we talked about this idea that not just men, but so many of us find ourselves being driven by our emotions rather than being led by the spirit. And one of the emotions that most men have, though we like to pretend we don't have emotions, kind of our gut instinct emotion for many of us men is anger. Have you ever done something out of anger? Like you saw red and you just did something that you knew you were gonna regret. Am I talking to anybody? Like somebody made you so mad you could not help but letting them know how you really feel. Like you may have said some words and it wasn't speaking in tongues, it was a different kind of tongue. Like you're so frustrated and you just do something that you can't take back. You say something you wish you wouldn't have said. You think something that you wish you wouldn't have thought. Well, I literally just a couple months ago found myself in one of those moments where I was literally driven by my anger. I was in the uh, truck coming back from Nashville with my three boys, uh, Tatum, Jet, and Truett. And I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a newborn. And they're all piled in the back of my truck and we're coming back and we're waiting. Uh, we're, we're trying to get home because Jessica's waiting on us because we have somewhere to go. And as you know, as our city grows, traffic grows. Can I get an amen, somebody? And uh, we are in traffic on 386, both lanes, because there's only two lanes, because why actually prepare to extend the roads before we grow? But here we are. And uh, I'm not salty about it. I'm just saying. And so here we are in the truck and we're driving and, and we're like standstill traffic. And it's not one of those things like I usually do where I can kind of cut the line and be the guy that kind of comes in at the end. Y'all know what I'm saying? But I'm driving and we're sitting still. And all of a sudden, this punk looking 19 year old kid in like an old 1995 hatchback Civic with a stupid rice can on it, <laughs> cuts me off in traffic. Well, I slam on my brakes, honk the horn, forgetting that my baby was asleep in the back. And Jet drops all his toys and all of a sudden it goes from complete peace in my vehicle <laughs> to a baby crying, Jet crying, Tatum yelling at both of them and it's complete chaos. And I am so mad. I honk my horn and, dad, and Tatum goes, Daddy, what's wrong? About that time, this little 19-year-old punk sticks his hand out the window. And it was not one of these. And it was not one of these. It was one of those. <laughs> and Tatum said, Daddy, what does that mean? I said, nothing, nothing. So I calmed down. I'm, I'm like, I'm raging right now. I'm not going to give in. It's going to keep driving. So we're good for about another five minutes. All of a sudden, same punk kid decides he's going to brake check me. So he brake checks me and I come this close from slamming into the back of his car. And at that point, I yelled, idiot. And Tatum said, daddy, we don't say that word. So 
I was so mad. I was seeing red, literally being driven by my anger. And uh, this guy may have heard how loud I yelled at him through his windows. And he decided he was going to go in the margin of the road and get off of Indian Lake Boulevard. Well, so guess what I did? I went in the margin of the road and I got off Indian Lake Boulevard as well. And then he got real nervous. So what did he do? He tried to hurry up and pull into Sam's. Guess where I pulled into? Sam's Club, not for free samples, but because I had something I needed to talk to this man about. And just about the time I pull up on this guy, God kind of stops me and he's like, Cody, play this out. (laughs) Three scenarios here. Scenario number one, you get out and you whip this kid's tail. And then you go to jail and the pastor of renovation is on the news for beating some kid up in Sam's. I'm like, I don't know about that one. Option number two was this kid looked young, but maybe, just maybe, he was like an MMA fighter and I got out and he whipped my tail. And not only I ended up in jail, but now I'm embarrassed because I got beat up and my kid's seen it. Third thought that came through my head, I can beat him up, drive off fast enough and get away, but Tatum will probably tell his mom. And it was the third option that kept me from actually going off on this guy. We got home and uh, Jessica's like, what took y'all so long? I said, we were in traffic. (laughs) See what I told Tatum before we got there. I said, buddy, we're not going to talk about this. In fact, you want some ice cream? He said, yes, daddy. So when I got home, Jessica's like, what took you so long? I said, traffic. And Tatum looked at me and I looked at him. And he looked at mom and he said, and daddy got us ice cream. I was like, my man got my back. Now, yeah, that was a moment of rage for me, but I I told you that story because that's actually not what Jesus was doing. Jesus wasn't just filled in this moment with like rage where he just couldn't contain himself and just turned out and just started whipping everybody he's seen. It wasn't one of those things where he could not control his emotions. He, he never sinned when he got angry because you do know the Bible says that in your anger, don't sin. So there was something in this moment that gave Jesus the right to be angry and not sin because he's clearly angry. Now, why, before we talk about why Jesus did what he did. Before we talk about what he did, let's talk about what he didn't do. When he walked into the temple, Jesus was not this soft parent. Like I can be sometimes where you come in and you're like, come on kids, just begging your kids. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody been guilty of this? Like, come on guys. Stop that. Stop doing that. You know, like, just give me a hug. Everything's going to be okay. Why don't you go to the calm down corner over there and just cool down and y'all quit selling those things. No, no, no. That's not what Jesus did. No, he came in and he flipped over some tables. He came in and drove them out with whips. Jesus got angry, but I want you to notice something that Jesus flipped tables, but Jesus didn't flip people. Jesus didn't go off and start punching people in the throat like I may have if my kids weren't watching. Jesus didn't cuss anybody out. No, Jesus didn't go in flipping people. He came in flipping tables. And it almost is like, I wish this verse wasn't in here because so many people have justified it for their rage justified it to treat people like crap. Well, Jesus got angry, so he flipped tables. I'm about to flip people off. Y'all know what I'm saying? 
So I think it's a problem because sometimes I wish Jesus wouldn't have flipped tables because some of y'all are flipping too many tables. Some of you need to get off Facebook. You know you're not gonna win that war on Facebook. Fighting with people you don't even know. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Jesus, he, he flipped tables, but he didn't flip people. But I want you to know this. There were only a few moments Jesus actually got angry. Jesus was not characterized by his anger. Jesus was known for his love. And though he had a couple moments where he got angry, the reason he got angry was because it was a reflection of his love. He got angry because there were people being mistreated. He got angry because people were hurting. Jesus never got angry at what people did to him. Did you notice that? All throughout his ministry, Jesus didn't defend himself. Jesus never like retaliated because somebody did something to him. But how many of you know, if anybody had the reason to retaliate, it would have been Jesus. Because Jesus was betrayed. You don't think people, Jesus had haters? Think Jesus didn't have a reason to like righteously get back at people? But Jesus never got angry over what people did to him. He only got angry at what people did to other people. And so here he is and he flips these tables. Let's talk about this moment. He, um, he's entering into Jerusalem right before Passover. And in this first century, the Passover was a time where people, specifically Jews from all over the world, uh, all over that region would travel in for the Passover. And typically maybe in the temple when things like this would happen at other festivals, you would have maybe about 40,000 people but specifically at the Passover, scholars believe that there would have been at this time somewhere between 1 million and 4 million people. I mean, this is massive. And everybody's coming to the temple to worship and they're traveling in for days to get here. And here we are, Jesus walking into the temple about a week or two before he actually goes to get crucified. This is near the very end of his ministry. And when Jesus walks in, he doesn't see a house of prayer. He sees a house of chaos. See, the temple was organized then. You had the outer courts, the inner courts, the Holy of Holies. It had all of these different sections. And it, it would have been very common of that day that when you essentially walked into the temple courtyard, when you kind of got within the gates, that you would see people, merchants, selling sacrifices. And the reason why was because back then, this was the only way that you could actually have your sins atoned for. That in order for you to be forgiven for what you did, you would come over to the Passover and it was a reflection or uh, in remembering back to what God did in the Old Testament when he had him put blood on the doorpost and he passed over the people by faith because they understood something had to die in my place so that I could be forgiven. So here these people are, they're traveling from everywhere understanding that when I get to the temple, I have to buy my sacrifice so that I can go in and I can worship God in order to be forgiven for my sin. The challenge most people had was that because they traveled a long way, they couldn't bring their sacrifices with them. They were forced to buy their sacrifices in the temple. And the temple had a very specific coin that you had to use in order to buy the sacrifice. They call it, called it a pent. And so what they said was, you had to have this specific silver coin that did not have any images of any other pagan gods on it. 
And that's what you had to buy your sacrifice with. So people would come and they would bring their money and they would have to exchange it and get the proper form of currency to then buy the sacrifice. And so here Jesus is and he shows up and people are trying to exchange their money for a sacrifice, but there was problem. He says, my house will be called the house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Why do you get so angry? Because they were extorting people. He got so angry because they understood something that in order for these people to be able to come in and get forgiven, to come into the temple and worship God, they had to buy from us. And so for instance, what they would do is people would have to buy, there was all kinds of different sacrifices, but the common three were like doves and lambs. And if you couldn't afford a dove or lamb, you typically would get a pigeon. And so let's say you came and you were really broke and you couldn't afford a dove or a pigeon. I mean, a dove or a lamb and you wanted to get a pigeon and pigeons typically cost two pence, two coins. That was all they typically cost if you were to bring them with you. But nobody wants to walk around carrying a bunch of dead birds in their bag. Amen, somebody. And so instead of charging them what they actually were supposed to cost, instead of charging them two pence, they would charge them 20. It's kind of like when you go to the movies and you hungry and you just want a hot dog and some popcorn and a Coke and then you go to check out and it's like $140. How many of you know? That's why if you're a parent, you always bring a diaper bag and that's why you always bring a woman so there can be a bag where you bring your own candy. Amen, somebody. Hey, I've even brought my own popcorn and went into the employee lounge and popped that joker myself. Okay, <laughs> I was a little younger, but anyway. All I'm saying is, salty, literally, at the movie theater. What they were doing was they were upcharging them to the point because they knew you can't get this anywhere else. So these people would travel in by faith and they were wanting to come and they were willing to say sorry. They were willing to repent. They were willing to come to God and ask for forgiveness. But what would happen was is they would get there and they would go to, to exchange their money and they would get their coins and give them their money, but then they couldn't afford the sacrifice in order to get in. Why was Jesus so angry? Because they were creating a class system of injustice. They were creating this system that oppressed people that weren't the right ethnicity, that weren't the right gender, that weren't rich enough. Literally what they were doing was they were creating a system where the poor and the marginalized and the blame and the lame and everybody that couldn't really afford it couldn't get in because they didn't want them in church. Whew, sound familiar? They created this system and so Jesus gets really angry because they're denying people access to what? To forgiveness. They were standing in the way from people who wanted to be forgiven to actually get forgiven. Remember, this is the only way at that time that people could actually get forgiven. And they're creating a system where church was only, the temple was only a place for people who looked like them, acted like them, believed like them, and had the same kind of money that they had. And here's why it makes Jesus so angry. Because they were limiting people's access to the table. But Jesus came so that everyone is welcome at the table of God. Everyone is welcome at the table of God. Why don't you say everyone? Come on, say everyone. 
Everyone means this. It means Jews are welcome, Gentiles are welcome, male, female, black, white, brown, green, orange, Republican, Democrat, old, young, married, divorced, the single, the anxious, the depressed, the lonely, the prostitutes, the alcoholics, the drug addicts, the greedies, the liars, the adulterers, the broke, the sick, the lame, the paralyzed. Jesus got angry at them because he came to give access to everyone. Somebody say everyone. Jesus turned the tables on them so that you and I could have a seat at his table. And here they are, they're trying to exclude everyone. But Jesus said, I didn't come for those who think they're righteous. I came for those who know they're sinners. I didn't come for the people who don't think they need a doctor. No, I came for the people who know they're sick. He says, I came to proclaim good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim to the prisoners freedom and recovery of sight to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the Lord's favor for this year. Come on, anybody thankful that, oh, how the tables have turned. If you're taking notes, you need to write that down. That everyone's welcome at the table of God. See, Jesus was making a statement there so that we could understand the statement today. That here you are, here they were, thinking that they could earn their way, buy their way, sell their way into the forgiveness of God. But what Jesus was making the statement was this. He said, you no longer need a sacrifice because I'm here and I'm becoming the sacrifice. I will be the one who you can't buy and you can't sell, Judas. I will be the one that will willingly lay down my life so that people who didn't have access to God could have access to God if they would trust my payment and my sacrifice for their sins. Come on, this is the gospel. This is why Jesus overturned their tables. It was so that you could have a seat at his. He turned over the tables of division. He turned over the tables of injustice. He turned over the tables of oppression. And if you're new to our church, I want you to know that this will always be a place where everyone's welcome because everyone's welcome at the table of God. There's no room for injustice. There's no room for oppression. There's no room for classism or racism. I don't care what you look like, where you came from, what you're dealing with, you can belong up in here. So he's angry. And I want you to watch why it was so righteous. Because he had to drive some people out so that other people could actually get in. There were people that were keeping people from getting in the temple. And Jesus said, y'all gotta go so that they can come. Watch this next verse, verse 14. Because if you were reading this, you wouldn't typically catch this. If you're reading it out of context, but look, look what happens. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. How was that possible? Because he drove out the ones that were stopping them from getting there. And when he drove them out, the blind and the lame were able to come in. And every time you see Jesus angry in scripture, it will always be connected to Jesus healing someone that he loves and that other people oppressed. 
Jesus used his hurt and his passion and his anger to heal people, not hurt people. To give people access where access had been denied. Can I just say this to you, Jesus follower? Um, Let's be very wise and very patient and very careful when we actually get angry. Because some of us have become more concerned with being right and in the process you've forgotten to being loving. And we think, well, Jesus had this moment, he was angry. Yeah, because he was birthed out of love. And I think so many of us find ourselves doing things out of anger towards people. And we've forgotten that these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. Not faith, hope, and being right. Jesus laid down his rights. So now you're gonna have to give up yours for the sake of other people. Amen? And so here we have Jesus angry and he's saying, I want everyone to know that everyone is welcome at my table. The Jew and the Gentile, the men and the women, no one is too far gone from the grace of God. Not the old and not the young. See, they were keeping people, keeping women, keeping children out of the temple. And it reminds me of another moment in Jesus's ministry, just two chapters before, but it's also recorded in the book of Mark where he says this because he didn't get angry at the Pharisees, like in this case. He actually got angry at his disciples. And here's what he says. One day, Mark 10, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the who? The disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these little children. He was angry for his children because he came to redeem them or to buy them back or to save them. And what Jesus was saying then and what he was doing and getting angry for then is the same reason he got angry in the temple because he was trying to get them to understand that until you have the faith of a child and see the need of the father, you won't get into the kingdom of God. None is righteous. No, not one. All have sinned. All have fallen short. And just because you got money doesn't mean you get access. Because you couldn't pay the price. Watch. That's why Jesus paid it for you. And so Jesus heals who he came to heal. The blind, the lame. The people who can't see. The people who don't have a vision for their life. The people who can't see hope for tomorrow. And they don't know where they need to go next. They're blind. He came for the lame. 
who couldn't get to where they needed to get even if they tried. He came for those people that the religious outcasted. I don't know if you realize this or not, but you and I are one of those people too. Jesus said, I came for those who were blind so that they may see. I came for those who couldn't get to where they needed to go to help them get to where I called them to be. And I want you to watch what happens, verse 15. But when the chief priest and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. What does that mean? They got angry. Why? Because these children who should have never been in the temple now had access to the temple and they're running around and they were seeing their parents who've been denied access actually get healed. It reminds me, I wonder if, I wonder, I wonder if Jesus in this moment had a flashback. Because you do know Jesus was born to a poor woman and a poor man, right? And in John chapter two, it actually tells us how Mary and Joseph went up to the temple to, to give a sacrifice in honor to their son. And when they got to the temple, they weren't able to give two doves. They weren't able to give a lamb. They couldn't afford it. They gave two pigeons, but the scripture calls them two turtle doves because they were poor. I wonder in this moment if when Jesus walked in, it brought him back to seeing the very people who probably tried to deny his own parents access as well. Because see, this wasn't the only time Jesus turned over tables. If you go early on in his ministry, right after he turns water into wine, amen somebody when they ran out of Pinot. Oh no, we ran out of Pinot, I got you. After that moment, the next moment, Jesus comes in and clears the temple at the beginning of his ministry. Why? Because there was injustice, there was classism, there was oppression. And here we have again at the end of his ministry and the children are having the freedom to run about the temple crying out, Hosanna. Now, let me just say something because I, hear, I, I know parents love this. Oh, Jesus let the little children come to him. So we should allow all the kids to come up in church. Well, guess what? I ain't Jesus. <laughs> the best place for kids in our church is kids ministry because that's where they can actually learn about Jesus in their own way, in their own season. Amen, somebody. They are in the church, but here we go. And the children are running about and they're crying out, Hosanna. You want to tell you why that made them so mad? It made them angry that they called him Hosanna because what the kids were saying, the little kids, the little children, Hosanna meant save us. What they were literally doing in this moment, not the adults, but the children, they were saying, this is God, the son of David who came to save us. And the religious leaders hadn't yet had that realization. And they're like, do you hear what these children are talking about, Jesus? They're calling you God. And Jesus is like, yes. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, 
you, Lord, have called forth your praise. Why was Jesus angry? Because they were robbing his children from worship. So, number two, don't be a thief. Come on, find a neighbor, say, don't be a thief. Grab your purse and say, don't be a thief. Don't be a thief. He says that they were making it a den of robbers. Can I tell you how I think some of us rob people? I know you're not sitting at a money table and exchanging money and overpricing doves. But I think the truth is, is many of us, we're, we're robbing people because we claim to be a follower, but we act like a Pharisee. Our lives in the way that we behave in the world, we're not known for our love, we're known for our hate. And we're robbing people of the opportunity to see the God who really saved us. I love what the author Brendan Manning says. He says, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny them, deny him with their lifestyle. This is what the unbelieving world finds simply unbelievable. Can I just call everybody up right now? Not out, but up. If you're gonna, act, if you're gonna call yourself a Christian, act like one. That doesn't mean you never fail. There's a difference in doing wrong and being hypocritical. Being hypocritical came from the Greek word hypocrates, which meant a stage actor. The problem isn't that you failed. The problem is you pretend like you haven't. And we wear these masks. And that's essentially what was happening here is they're wearing these masks, acting as if they deserve because they got money, because they know where they came from, because they're in a specific class, that they don't have the same issues as all these other people. And so now I'm gonna keep you out and I'm gonna get in. What were they doing? They were claiming to be followers, but they were living like Pharisees. So don't be a thief. Integrity literally means to integrate your inside life with your outside life, that they're the same both in the temple and in the world. Don't be a thief by the way that you actually live. Don't be a thief by keeping people from God. What if, I wrote this down, I don't wanna mess this up. What if we really believed that it was our responsibility not to keep people from the table, but to bring people to the table. Like what, what would happen in our lives? Watch this. If we saw every person in our life that did not know God as an opportunity to extend an invitation to God. And what if we saw our lives in such a way whereby not extending the invitation to come to know God. What if we saw that as a way that we were actually being a thief and robbing people? Because the truth is, is that there are people in your life that will never know God if you never extend the invitation. Don't rob people of the opportunity of actually getting to know God. Bring people with you, which means, number three, you have to come to him too. 
you have to come to him too. You can't bring people to a place that you don't come to. You can't bring people to a person that you ain't following. I believe that Jesus gave us a responsibility. I believe that Jesus is calling us to something today. Not to flip tables and keep people out, but to extend the table so that more people could come in. But you gotta come to him too. Verse 14 said that the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. God won't heal what you hide. Come to him. Let me say it like this. Take off your mask. You don't have to pretend. God actually wants the real you, not the person you pretend to be. Some of us feel so lonely and the reason we feel so lonely and feel like we're unloved, we feel unloved in the inside because people have fallen in love with a mask on the outside. And every one of our greatest desires is to be fully known and fully loved. The good news of the gospel is that we can come to him and he doesn't just love the you that you pretend to be, he loves the real you. He loves the one behind the mask. So take off the mask, lower your pride and come to the table of God where everyone is welcome. Can I get an amen from somebody? Come on, why don't you stand to your feet and I wanna, I wanna close with this thought. Uh, let me say this first. Um, this week, the reason I loved our men's retreat so much is because I think the men in that place took the mask off. But I knew that in order for them to take the mask off, I had to take mine off as well. And every week I get up here to preach, I have to make a decision. Do I get up here and impress you? Do I get up here as the man of God and act like I got it all together? Or do I believe the words of Jesus? everyone's actually welcome at the table and that my failures don't disqualify me from the forgiveness of God. God is so much better at forgiving than you are at failing. So take the mask off today. I refuse to be a church and I refuse to be a pastor and you gotta refuse to be a people to ever be up in a place and deny access to other people. But you gotta get honest. I gotta get honest and say, I got my issues too. I was blind, but now I can see as well. I was lame, but God gave me a new walk so I could walk in the newness of life. There ain't no pretending up in here because the gospel means you don't have to. So come to him, come to him. It's okay to not be okay. But God loves you too much to leave you that way. Come to him with your pain. Come to him with your hurt. Come to him with your anger. It doesn't disqualify you from God. In fact, you were the very person he came to save. He didn't come for the fake you. He didn't come for the you that 
thinks you got it all together. Some of us are hiding today. Some of you are hiding behind your religion and your morality. And you're hiding because you do all the right stuff and you look the right way and you wear the right clothes and you talk the right talk. But the truth is on the inside, you can, you can worship God with your mouth, but your heart's far from Him. On the inside, like the hypocrites that Jesus gave the seven woes to, He says, you clean the outside of the cup, but on the inside you're dead and dirty. And the only way you get clean is not to clean the outside and look better and modify your behavior. The only way you get clean is you come to Him and you allow Him to clean you. You come to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I would rather be an honest sinner than a lying hypocrite. I would rather get honest because Jesus has zero tolerance for hypocrisy, but He has an endless amount of grace for a sinner who knows they need it. This is what Jesus was doing. He was making a declaration at the beginning of his ministry and at the end of his ministry that this is why I came. So everyone is welcome at the table. So we're not gonna rob people from the table, but instead we're gonna come to the table. And let me tell you, when you come to the table, oh, how the table will turn. Oh, how the things in your life can change. See, Jesus turned over the table for you so that you can turn to him. Oh, how the tables can turn when you come to Jesus. So I wanna give you the opportunity to come to Him now. To say yes to Him now. So I wanna pray two prayers. The first one is for the Christians in the room that you wouldn't be a thief and rob people by the way that you live that people would know you not by what you're against, but by who you're for. That people would know you not for being angry, but for by being loving. So I wanna pray this prayer for those of you who are believers. And if that's you, would you just right now, would you stretch your hand up towards heaven and receive this word from God? God, I pray that we would not be thieves in this place. I pray that this would be a house of prayer. This would be a table where everyone is welcome, no matter their background, no matter their race, no matter how much money they have, no matter their sin, no matter their addiction, no matter what they've gone through. God, I pray that right now we would not rob people of the opportunity of experiencing the same grace that you gave us. God, I thank you for forgiving us. I thank you that your forgiveness, your grace is greater than our greatest failure. So we're not gonna be thieves today. We're gonna extend the table. We're gonna give an invitation. And we're not gonna rob people the opportunity of knowing you. In Jesus' name, you can put your hands down. I wanna give the second opportunity of those to you that have never come to the table of God. Because you thought you didn't belong. And you have felt like church is not a place for you. Because somewhere in your history, there were people that made you feel like you couldn't belong because of your issues. Friend, your issue is not your identity. You are God's masterpiece created in His image who He loves and adores and can't stop loving because that is who He is. So I wanna give those of you an opportunity today to feel the grace of God, to experience His presence, that you're welcome at His table when you turn to Him and leave your life a sin and believe that Jesus turned over the tables for you, that Jesus made the sacrifice for you 
that you couldn't pay for, he paid for it. When he went on the cross and was buried in a tomb and the enemy thought he won, but on the third day, oh, how the tables turned. Oh, how the tables turned when he rose from the grave, making it possible for you to accept the forgiveness of God, not because of your sacrifice, but because of his sacrifice. Come on, if you're thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus, that he turned over tables for you. So I wanna pray that prayer right now. And I want those of you who are coming to the table today and accepting that gift of grace, I want you to pray this with me. And church, pray this out loud for the benefit of those who are saying yes to you today. Say, today, I come to you. I repent of my sin. I believe that your sacrifice paid for my sin. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Today, I come to you. Save me, change me. From this day forward, I will follow you all the days of my life. And if that was your prayer today and you said it for the first time or you're coming back to God, on the count of three, nobody looking around, I just want you to lift your hand. One, God loves you. Two, come to Him. Three, just shoot your hand up and say, today I'm making the decision. Amen, 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 amen. Lift them high, I can't see you well. Amen, amen. Father, I thank you for the hands lifted in this place. Thank you for the fact that everyone is welcome at the table. We love you, we celebrate with the angels in heaven. Come on church, why don't we welcome those into the family of God, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church give. Have a blessed day.